0: Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Awesome. I want to invite you guys to partake together of the Word this morning. And what I mean by partaking of the Word is really just engaging in the Word. Don't just sit here... um, uh, Mark used the phrase he said uh we we learn in rows and then we grow in circles it 's a cool it 's a cool phrase but uh i don 't really like if 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 I could have had my way this morning, I would have us all like sit a little bit more like um spread out and not so rowy as we are sitting now and then you can see there 's like a little bit of a bend in the rows and there 's purpose for that um, but God really didn 't like um, he never intended for for church to be done in in a like in a uh, auditorium style way, or in a classroom style way. That's a very, what we call like a Greek mindset. It's very classroom. It's very lecturing orientated. But uh, the Jewish mindset is like family, like it's around meals. It's, it's uh, engaging with one another. If you see Paul, he went into the temple and he reasoned with the people, he engaged with the people, and they had discussion, and they facilitated learning in that way. And so that is why you would always find me asking various questions throughout my message. It's not because I'm um, I want to be rhetorical. It's questions I want you to think about, to consider, to, 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 to write down, to go and think about it after this, this time together. Um, we've got the scriptures on the screen, and, and that is nice, but I also want you guys to, to make notes of the scriptures in your, uh, on your notebook, or open up your own Bible, highlight something, um, because maybe the Holy Spirit wants to kind of minister something a little bit different to you than what I've prepared this morning. So uh, I've prepared, obviously, for for the gathering as a whole, and there's many faces, there's many hearts in this room, and so the Holy Spirit obviously knows who was going to be here this morning, and so He's going to minister in a general way to all of us, but He also wants to minister to you directly and specifically, and in order for you to receive that ministry, you need to be engaged and say, yeah, I am, Lord, I'm listening, and one of the ways that you do that and show that is by making notes, having a notebook, making notes on your phone, um, because oftentimes we also fall into this trap and uh, think, um, Holy Spirit drops something in your heart and He ministers or He brings something to, to light. You're like, wow, that's cool. Um, I'm going to think on this a little bit later as well, after church. And then after church comes, you're like, oh, man, what did He say again? Like, uh, and He can remind you, and, uh, but you guys get the, the, get the point. We forget. We forget things. So when you make notes, it helps. So let's ponder on the Word together. And even if you have got a question, please come up afterwards and ask me about it. Ask someone uh, that sat with you in the, in, the, in the gathering. Engage with one another. Feast on the Word together. If uh, I want to encourage you guys, after the, the, the gathering, um, even open up your, your first conversation with someone. Like, ask them, how was your week? Like, this, that, the next thing. What's it out for you from the Word? Like, ask that. And now because I said that, then uh, maybe I have something prepared. Like if someone asks you that. Because someone might ask you that. Because I told them not to ask you that. Um, so be prepared. Think on something. If it's just one thing. If someone asks you, what stood out for you from the Word? Don't just stand there like, um, Jesus. Like, it's a good answer. It's a good default. Um, but let's have a little bit more than that. And in that way, we're feasting on the Word together. Just wanted to share one more thing on announcements. Just to uh, um, clarify... Uh, Elaborate a little bit more. So we're kicking off live groups this week, and if you're not part of a live group, if you don't know what live groups is about, please come and chat to me about it. It's really um, one of the ways where we do further uh, build community, do life together, minister to one another on a weekly basis, and even further feast together on the Word. And it's really a a way for me as as a campus pastor to 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 lead you more effectively because obviously I can only do so much as a as one man. Um, but through my leaders and through the life group leaders, I get to minister to you. I get to kind of lead you. I get to find out, like, if someone's going through a difficult time, if someone uh, has to, um, um, if someone's in the hospital, maybe you're not connected to me in that way that I would know of it. Please let me know if you have to go to the hospital or surgery or anything like that. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to come and uh, visit you in the hospital as well. But maybe you don't feel comfortable enough to have that kind of talk with me, but you do with your life group leader. So they can let me know, hey, so-and-so in my life group, they're in the hospital right now. Um, I don't know if you've got some time, if you'd love to go and pray for them, then I'll always make a time to do that. So through life group, we really get to uh, minister to one another and share the load a little bit and be more uh, effective in that. So please, um, if you are not part of life group, please consider being part of one this year. It will really impact your life. Amen. So this morning title is being fully persuaded. Being fully persuaded. And uh, we have to understand that we're living in a world that is constantly trying to define who we are, right? Everything in, in, in this world, it's, 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 it's shouting at us. It's trying to put labels on us. We're living in a world that is constantly trying to say, like, this is who you are, or, this is uh, your success based on this, or your failure based on this. And So there's a whole bunch of that going on, and we need to know what defines our success. We need to know what what gets to say and who gets to say who we are. And we need to know that swimming upstream, swimming upstream is more difficult than swimming downstream. Right? It's easy to swim downstream, but a dead fish can also swim downstream. And we don't want to be dead fish. We want to be living fish swimming in a direction with purpose, with, an in, with intent. And in order to do so, we need to be fully persuaded. We are not defined by what we do, but we are defined by who we are, or by who we are defines what we do, right? So we're not defined by what we do, but who we are defines what we do, right? It seems a little bit like a, it's it seems like the same thing, but it's not the same thing. Oftentimes we're going to say like, this is who I am. I'm successful because I do this, that, and the next thing. No, you are successful because you're a child of God. Genesis 20, uh, 39, we looked at this this morning, verse 2, and it says that, that Joseph, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, or he succeeded in everything he did. You might think, yo, yeah, well, that's amazing. Yes, I can remember the story of Joseph. He was second in charge of all of Egypt, and uh, so that's pretty cool. Like, it's like being the, the vice president. And so, like, all of us can be like, yeah, obviously that's success, that's, that's, that's prospering. But if you're going to look at the, the, the context in the passage of Scripture, when it declared that over Joseph, being a successful man, being a prosperous man, it was while he was standing in the slave market, being ready to be bought by Potiphar as a slave. Most likely shirtless because they inspected the slaves, seeing like, is this a muscular slave? Do I want to buy this slave? Or nah, not enough muscle, not enough meat. I'm I'm, I'm drawing a picture because the state that he was in and the physical was not a nice state. It was a demoralizing state. But yet God declared over him, the word declares that he was a prosperous man and a successful man because the Lord was with him. And so we need to stop evaluating ourselves and allowing the, 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 the society to define who we are, what our success is, is based on. And we need to allow the word of God to start persuading us of who we are and what we've been created for. And who we are is also determined then by what we believe. You can be a, a child of God, you can be a Christian, but you can believe a whole bunch of rubbish as a Christian. That's why we get together. That's why community is important, to, to ask questions, to, to, to allow sharpening to happen. Iron sharpens iron. We need to allow that. We need to allow that in community. It's not just like, okay, a one-man show Etienne has all of the revelations, so all of us need to kind of hang at his lips. No, Etienne has some revelation. But you might have revelation that I have not yet received, and so we can draw from one another. And so it's important to, to do life together like that and ask questions and, and uh, come with, uh, with, with a, a seeking heart, a humble heart as well, because uh, you can also ask questions in a prideful way, right? None of you, just those people who didn't come this morning, Um, you've never asked a question in a prideful way, Um, you're better than that, Um, and I'm just joking, I've I've probably done it myself, ask questions in a prideful way, and and it it never produces fruitfulness, you're never growing from that place, Um, because a a prideful heart is a closed heart, so you're asking a question, even if you get an answer, it doesn't help you, it doesn't benefit you, because you're not ready to receive it. I love, there's a statement uh, on apologetics, apologetics is just a uh, a fancy word talking about um, having a, a response for the hope you have or engaging with someone of another faith and being able to kind of navigate through different things with them um, to see what they believe and to kind of uh, get them to, 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 to see truth or, or sow a seed, so to speak. So that's apologetics. And um, there's a phrase that goes, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. For married couples, it's important to uh, take that to heart. If you're going to try and uh, convince your, your, your wife or your husband against their will, you can come with this amazing, uh, this amazing kind of strategic approach and have all of the, the proof and the backup and you can go to court and you will win the case. But if that person is convinced against their will, Afterwards, they're just going to stick it out. They're going to stay on that same uh, track. So um, we can take that to our, to our marriages as well. A man or woman convinced against their will will be of the same opinion still. So um, I don't know why I share that. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit wanting to uh, encourage some, some married couple. Just uh, on another note, um, as, we were, as we were worshiping, just a word that also came up for, for me and I believe it's uh, for someone here this, this morning from Luke chapter 6 verse 26. And we need to understand, we're talking about being fully persuaded. We're talking about what you believe will determine your life and, and uh, um, the success of your life. And who you are is determined by what you believe. And, and so we need to take that to heart. Um, because the the world believes a bunch of lies and the, the world is in the state that it is because it be, 's believing a bunch of lies it's it 's in deceit and so the the world's solution is truth and truth as Jesus defines it he says i 'm the way, the truth and the life and so truth is found in Jesus truth is found in the gospel and that is the solution for the world 's mess it 's the gospel it's it 's uh, sharing the gospel with the world but Luke chapter six verse twenty six So this isn't part of the the, the message. I just really feel strongly that this is a a word of encouragement for someone. And it says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. It's a a, a challenge when, when people don't like you. I think all of us enjoy being liked. I, at least, I enjoy being liked. It's nice to be liked. But... Being liked isn't a, a, an indication of a godly life. Jesus, if anyone remember him, he wasn't liked. So much so that people killed him. And so it's important to know that if you're, if you're and this is the word I feel to, to encourage, and it's probably for a number of us, if your aim at life is to be liked and to have more friends, and have everyone you know like you, you're going down the wrong path. Because that wasn't Jesus' goal in life, to be liked by everyone. And so don't, don't set things as your goal if Jesus himself didn't set that as a goal, so to speak. Um, as the scriptures say, why aren't you when all men speak well of you so that the fathers to the false prophets? So just because people are speaking well of you doesn't mean anything. Start to worry actually when everyone is just speaking well of you, because some of those pe- people speaking well of you are probably just buttering you up to get something from you, or, or um, they're probably just speaking well of you in front of you, but behind the scenes it's a different story. Now, I'm not here to kind of uh, stir something and make you speculate about everyone speaking well of you, but let not this become your goal in life and uh, have this be a, a, a crutch for you. Proverbs also talks about this. Uh, And it says, the fear of man brings a snare. Meaning again, if you're running after pleasing man, you'll never please God. If you're running after just being in everyone's good books, you'll never please God. Not in the sense that he's pleased by what we do or what we don't do, but you'll always chase the approval of man. and You'll always do things what man wants you to do, and you'll never do what God is leading you to do. Because sometimes what God is leading you to do is going to upset man. Some of you have been upset with me because I've followed what God has led me to do. And so life is going to be this continual journey of following God and not being persuaded by circumstances, by emotions, by what people wanting you to do or not want you to do. Getting back to the, to the message that I prepared, so that was just a kind of a, a little bit of a, a, a rabbit hole. If we aren't fully persuaded, we won't have an impact on this life. Think about this for a moment. You get into an airplane, you're about to take off, (laughs) and um, the pilot announces, goes onto um, onto the microphone. Good evening, everyone. We're getting ready for takeoff. I just want to let all of you know that this is my first flight. Buckle up. Let's enjoy this this flight together. (laughs) And I'm sure some pilots, it has to be their first time at some point, right? But you never know. There's a reason they don't tell you. Because you're not going to feel well in that moment, right? I won't feel good. And so the point is this. In that moment, you're not going to be fully persuaded in that pilot's ability, to get you from point A to point Z. And so it's important for us to, to be fully persuaded because if we're not fully persuaded in life, people are not going to come with us. That's why for, for leaders, for me up front, I need to be fully persuaded in what I'm doing. I need to have been fully persuaded when God called me into this, 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 this function of, 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 of ministering in, in the way that I'm ministering and pastoring, because if I wasn't fully persuaded when that call happened, I would have quit a long time ago. Because it's been tough. Like, there's been difficult times, there's been amazing times, but there's definitely been times where I've, I could have just quit and gone and do something else. With less problems, with less challenges, with more money, whatever the case may be. But I've been fully persuaded, and I'm growing in my being fully persuaded in what God has called me to And it's amazing because when we're fully persuaded, people come along. People want to follow people who are convicted and fully persuaded in what they believe. And we see this throughout the Word. And so we need to set this example and see from history why were men fully persuaded in the Bible? Why? What led them to that persuasion? And we're going to go to Romans chapter 4 to just look at this example. So as children of God, we need to be fully persuaded. Otherwise, we're not going to have an impact on this life. Otherwise, we won't be able to uh, influence other people on the same journey. And um, a challenging thought is this. I know a few Muslims, not a lot, I know a few Muslims who are a lot more persuaded by a lot of Christians. And it's a bad testimony, guys. Maybe you know a Muslim who's more persuaded in their belief than you are. Think about that for a moment. Maybe you know a Muslim who's more persuaded in their belief than you are persuaded in your belief. It's a challenging thought, guys. Praise God that there isn't condemnation for us. But if we're not being challenged, we cannot grow. We cannot change something. Challenge and change goes hand in hand. And so there's a challenge to consider this. Why am I not fully persuaded? Why is a Muslim who's believing a lie more persuaded than I am believing the truth? I can say that, guys. Muslims are believing a lie. I'm not being offensive. It's, that's, that's just the reality of the matter. I'm not saying I'm better than them. I'm just saying there's truth and then there's lie. I won't tell my Muslim friends that so blatantly and so bluntly. There's strategy. There's uh, being wise as serpents but being gentle as doves. Right? That's what the Word says. We need to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. So in our settings with engaging with people, we need to use wisdom. We need to uh, uh, be cunning in that sense. And it needs to come with gentleness as well, with love. Romans chapter 4, 13 to 15 from the Passion Translation says, God promised Abraham and his descendants that they would have an heir who would reign over the world. This royal promise was not fulfilled because Abraham kept all the law, but through the righteousness that was transferred by faith. Okay, so let's pause there. This royal promise was not fulfilled. Why was it not fulfilled? Take note. It was not fulfilled because Abram kept all of the law. Maybe you're thinking you're in God's good because you are trying to fulfill all of the law. Being a good person, not failing in the law. This is Abram called, and we'll look at this, the father of faith. There was a reason why he was called the father of faith. We need to take note of that. So this promise that was made to him was not fulfilled because he kept all of the law, but through the righteousness that was transferred by faith. Righteousness that was transferred from one account to another account. How did that transferal happen? How did righteousness get transferred from this point into Abraham's account, so to speak? How did it happen? By fulfilling the law, by doing good things, by... by by being the most holy man on the face of the earth? No. The answer is in the Bible. How was it transferred? By faith. Okay, what is faith? Faith in simplest forms is, is believing God. Faith in the simplest form is responding to God. So that's what Abraham did, and the righteousness was transferred to him. Verse 14, For if keeping the law earns the inheritance then faith is robbed of its power. If keeping the law earns the inheritance, then faith is robbed of its power. Some of your lives are powerless. Some of your lives are powerless because the faith that God has given you that is intended to be powerful has been hindered in its power, it's been, it's been made void, it's been robbed of its power, because we're trying to keep the law. There's always a, a good reminder, like maybe you're sitting in church and you've been with uh, Grace life for a number of years and, and you, you've heard this before and you hear it, Sunday come, Sunday go. but it's amazing how you could, you could sit under a specific word for years and years and years and never get it. And there's various reasons to that. I'm not going to get into that. But there's a reason why repetition helps people get something. And so if, if anything is repeated at church, um, don't be upset by it. It's, someone needs to hear that again and again and again. And maybe it's you. Then faith is robbed of its power and the promise becomes useless. That's amazing, right? It's not amazing in a good sense. It's a tragedy. It's, it's, it's a tragedy. That this, this promise that God desires for us, this, this inheritance that God made available to us, that it can be completely destroyed by you performing for something, working for something, trying to get it through law keeping. And it goes on to say, for the law provokes punishment and where no law exists, there cannot be a violation of the law. We'll get into uh, just the, the next verse in a moment just want to look at this again. Even if we look at inheritance, what's an inheritance? Why do you get an inheritance? You get an inheritance because you you worked hard your whole life? You get an inheritance because uh, you were the the, the best performer out of all of the kids? No, everyone gets the inheritance equally shared. If you look at just inheritances in general, I know you get some Complicated terms and this and that and next thing. But if we just keep it simple, inheritance comes because someone passed away and then their their belongings or their, 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 their fortune is passed on to the next generation. The heir. And we are that heir receiving the inheritance. So there's no working for inheritance as much as there's never working to receive a gift. If someone comes to you, for example, and they've bought you a gift, at your birthday, or even if it's not your birthday, just in general, and they, they come to you like, um, Simeon, here's a gift for you. And gave you, Simeon's like, oh, thank you so much, Etienne. What do I owe you? They'll be like, that's not how it works. I've bought it. I've paid for this. It's paid. I've got the receipt. I'm not going to show you because I don't want you to see what I, what I spend on this <laughs> gift. But I've bought this gift. It's paid off. Here you go. Receive it. Enjoy it. No, no, but like, I really want to give you something. Like, I really want to, some of us, I don't, you can, you can give me gifts, I don't struggle receiving a gift. Um, I wasn't always like that. I've grown in that, because I've come to understand the nature and the character of God, and I trust that when you bring me a gift, that your heart is good towards me, that you're not trying to bribe me, to uh, preach a different message than I did, or trying to persuade me. Don't try. You're not going to come right. You can bring me the gift, but I'm just telling you now already, you're not going to persuade me to, uh, to preach a different message or uh, address differently. Um, that's a funny story. I'm not going to go there. It seems silly when we're talking about this, but this is what the Word is communicating. That a gift cannot be worked for, an inheritance cannot be worked for, and if you try and work for it, you mess up the whole thing. Galatians uh, chapter 2, verse 21. Actually, Paul writes about this, this, uh, this the same concept, the same truth, and he says that um, if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ has died in vain. Or he, it actually starts off with this, and he says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ has died in vain. So what is he saying? We can frustrate or nullify or rob faith of its power if we try and work for righteousness, if we try and work for the gift. And you might be sitting here this morning saying like, no, I've, I've never worked for the gift. Like I've, I've received Jesus and I knew it was by grace through faith and it was not of works lest I should boast and I've received it and it's amazing and praise God, hallelujah, my eternity is secure. It's amazing. For the rest of your life, it doesn't matter if you've made that decision, for the rest of your life, you'll be challenged and you'll be tempted to fall into working for your salvation, working for your right standing with God. It's not just a once-off decision, it's a daily decision, fighting this temptation to think that, man, if I'm not doing good, if if I've made mistakes, then God is not so pleased with me and... I can't approach His throne room with, with boldness anymore because I can only do it by, by, by my works and by my performance, even though the Word is saying something completely different. I don't really believe the Word. I believe my emotions. and If we're not fully persuaded, we will not have an impact on this life. We will not be confident in our relationship with God and will take away and rob the power of faith in our lives. The word frustrate there in Galatians chapter 2 when Paul says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. The word frustrate is a a, a term of of choking. It's choking. It's holding back. And so we can choke the grace of God. We can hold back the grace of God. And the grace of God is really the empowering of God as we see in Romans chapter 4. And so we can choke it. It's like uh, I love... um, Seeing this, uh, a practical example of that is, if you take an apple seed, for example, or any fruit seed, any, any, any seed with life in it, and you take that seed and you start cling wrapping it. And you cling wrap it, and you wrap it a few times, and you go put it in the ground. And you're like, let's see if something happens. That's frustrating. That's choking the power. There's power in that seed, right? There's life in that seed but it will never produce because you're choking it. You're frustrating it. You're hindering the power to actually come out because you're trying to work for God. You're trying to get into His good books because you're not believing that you are in His good books. Let's jump down to verse 16. Therefore it is of faith it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of faith, of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now this is amazing, this, this concept, father of us all, we kind of, we think genealogy and we're thinking uh, by, by biological uh, standards, so to speak. But the amazing thing here that, that Fabra, um, Abraham is called the father of us all is because of this very thing how he became righteous before God. Because this is, the, this is the, the first real account where someone put trust in God and God's promise and God's desire to have relationship with man. Hence, the first of the promise, the first of this covenant that God desired from the beginning of time, even with Adam and Eve. For them to believe and trust in God and His goodness and that He desires to have His Spirit live inside of them. Eternal life, relationship with God, His Spirit in us. Who is the Father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a Father of many nations before Him whom He believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. And this is a cool passage of Scripture that we often want to take for various applications. God calls those things which are as though they were. In Jesus' name, that four-bedroom house, come out. (laughs) Because God calls those things who aren't as though they were. In Jesus' name, that promotion. Okay, no, it's not completely wrong. But we often take Scriptures, verses out of the Bible in isolation. We're like, like, uh, uh, I'm going to... Put a magic potion together. A little bit of Philippians 4.13. <laughs> and we mix and we mix and like, okay, now I can take these few verses completely out of context and now I'm going to prophesy, speak it into existence, name it and claim it. If that is you and I'm offending you right now, please forgive me. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm trying to be dramatic because oftentimes we need to be shocked to wake up and realize, man, what I've done actually is not in line with the Word. Verse 17. What are we talking about? We're talking about the promise. We're talking about faith by righteousness or uh, righteousness by faith. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he has believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed and hoped that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. God was calling and he was declaring over Abram, you will be the father of many nations, those things which aren't as though they were. Abraham had not yet had a son. Right? So all of this, this calling out those things which aren't as though they were is all in line with the promise. God's design, God's purpose. And so, that's what I'm saying. It's not completely wrong to call those things which aren't as though they were. But you can't say it's scripturally correct. It's nice to see things and imagine things and All of that. But you cannot technically go and put the Bible on that. If you've got any questions about this topic, please come and chat to me about this afterwards. He calls those things which aren't as though they were. And it's talking about according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, this is not talking about Abraham, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Let's go to Galatians chapter three quickly. I'm coming back to verse 19 in a moment. Just want to jump, uh, let's go to Galatians 3, 14 and 16. And says, and I'm talking about Abraham, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might have received the promise of the Spirit through faith. So talking about Abraham. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus. What blessing of Abraham is this talking about? Is it the, the wealth of Abraham? Is it all of his goats and his sheep and all of his... Who when you read the word blessing now thou thought finances? I hope you didn't. We need to stop jumping to conclusions when we're reading words in the Bible... And we want to associate it with what we wanted to say. None of us are doing this, I know. Like, it's those people who didn't come. (laughs) That's the blessing of Abraham. So just stop. Just don't go to finances right now. Like I'm not saying finances is bad. But here in context, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Verse 16, that we might have received the promise of the Spirit through faith. What was the promise to Abraham? The Spirit through faith. That is the blessing of God. That is why Abraham is called the Father of us all. Because he looked forward to something that he had not yet received. In hope, he kept looking to that. That's amazing. And that's persistence. Hebrews chapter 11, you can go read all of this and the great wall of faith and uh, it lists all of these characters and then the last few verses and in, in the chapter it talks about and these receiving a good report did not receive the promise because Jesus hasn't yet died. Jesus wasn't yet raised from the dead and Jesus hasn't yet poured out his spirit, his promise for the world. God's spirit in man. Coming to verse 19 again. And not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body dead or the deadness of serious womb. Weak faith is linked to considering circumstances or being moved by circumstances. Weak faith is linked to considering circumstances or being, being moved by circumstances versus strong faith being moved by the word. That's amazing. Weak faith considering circumstances, being moved by circumstances. Strong faith, being moved by the Word. So Abraham was moved by the Word, by the promise that was spoken over him. He was not moved by circumstances. Being almost 100 years old, Sarah's womb being dead, time has gone by and by and by, and they have not yet seen the beginning of the promise. The promise God made to Abraham was not Isaac. Isaac was part of the promise. Because if Isaac wasn't born, then we'd have never had Mary and Jesus. And so that's an amazing picture to understand and to see this, that Again, even in that small thing, that the promise wasn't Isaac; it was what Isaac was a was a was a beginning of a uh, the start of a greater fulfillment many years after. And so, oftentimes, again, we like I talked about work and career and things like this. The word we had in in, in our time of uh, just praising God, we start idolizing these things. Our children. Imagine Abraham. What did Abraham do? He did not idolize Isaac. How do we know this? Because he took him up to the mountain. was ready to sacrifice Isaac. We need to remember who we are, what we've been purchased with. Because if we, if we grow in this understanding, man, life is going to be so much better, so much more worth it and we're going to actually become persuaded Christians, persuaded children of God who aren't moved by circumstances by the next best thing, whether it's a job promotion, whether it's a, a, a more muscular version of your, of your husband or a skinnier version of your wife. Man, we need to be persuaded by the Word of God and convicted of who we are and what God has created us to be. Because life is going to happen. COVID happened. Lockdown happened. And it shook a lot of us. And it shook the, the body of Christ heavily. More so than it needed to. Why? Because people were more persuaded by circumstances and being moved by circumstances rather than being moved by the Word of God. Someone shared a word earlier on, and I just want to calculate, and because that word is applicable now to, to what we're talking about. Again, talking about success and, and uh, uh, being successful and being fruitful in this life. You, know, you don't need to have a title to have influence. You don't need to have the title of leadership to have influence. You don't need to have a job to have influence. I remember the word God, said the word a little bit in line with ministry. You're on maybe uh, looking to do something specific and we're not qualified by by this or that or next thing. We're qualified by availability, and then God qualifies us. So you just need to say, yeah, I am, Lord. Speak to me. We'll look at an example from Exodus now. And what I want to, there's almost a clause in there. Generally, when you think about that word, and when God will share that word, I knew some of you were thinking um, in line with what you shouldn't be thinking. And I'm going to tell you what that is now. You're thinking about ministry, and you're thinking about, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I've got this desire, and I want to I be a pastor. And or I want to really like, how do we worship lead? Or I want to be this, and we're thinking about all of these titles, these these functions, so to speak. And and so God will, when He shared that word, you're like, okay, awesome. Like I don't need to, I don't need to be qualified for that. I just need to be available. I just need to be available. I just need to put my hand up and praise God. That's all God needs. And the problem with that thinking, I'm not saying God's word was uh, wrong. Um, the problem with that thinking, and I'm clarifying this, is we too often think titles. We too often think limelight. We're thinking the card. The, 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 we, we, we're putting the card in front of the horses. Throughout the history of the world, when God called these men and women, Gideon, Moses, Abraham. When he called these people he didn't call them to a function he called them to arise to their sonship and arising to your sonship will bring about a function whatever that function may be but we need to stop thinking function stop thinking titles and think sonship thinking identity this who is God who created me to be Because you don't need a title. You don't need to be the kids church pastor. You don't need to be the pastor of a church. You don't need to be part of the worship band to have influence and minister to people. You don't need my approval to go out into the world and share the gospel with your lost friends and family. Stop thinking all of these other things and start realizing that the simplest thing you can do is love someone through sharing the gospel with them. That's life-changing. Okay, back to the Word. I want to look at this this word consider here in verse 19 for a moment. And the word consider, the Thayer's definition defines this as to perceive, to remark, to observe, and understand. So it says that Abraham did not consider these things, his own body dead, the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he did not perceive these things. He didn't remark these things. He didn't understand these things. Now, does that mean that he didn't understand how old he was? <laughs> That's not what it means. I love this, um, this example of Paul. Um, and it says that he made, his, it, he made it his goal to know nothing, among the people, except one thing, Jesus Christ. He made it his goal not to understand anything among the people, except one thing, Jesus Christ. And so when it says here, Abraham didn't consider, he didn't understand, he didn't perceive these things, it doesn't mean that he was stupid. It meant that he made it his intent, his goal, his purpose, to not give in to these things. Do not allow these things, circumstances, to, to determine or validate the Word of God. If you want to be fully persuaded in your life, you need to become persuaded by the Word of God. Consider also means to cons- consider attentively. Fix one's eyes or mind upon something. Abraham did not fix his eyes and his mind on the circumstances, become infatuated with the the truth of the matter that in the natural they could not have children. He didn't become overwhelmed by those circumstances. But he was overwhelmed by the promise that God made him. Faith considers circumstances and is moved by circumstances. Strong faith is being moved by the Word of God. Exodus 3, verse 1 to 3. We're coming to a close. We'll have to have a part 2. Because we are not near where I want to be. So we'll do part 2 next week. Okay, let's go to Exodus chapter 3. This is uh, talking about Moses, and it says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will not, or I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Verse four. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Now, there's a lot in here, but this is this is this is amazing. Just seeing this practical application. So, so Moses was minding his own business, walking then he saw something very weird, very strange, a bush bush burning, but it was not being consumed. So in life, in a sense, we can be walking and we can take note of something. And it's something that God is trying to reveal to us. God is trying to show us. And so we're walking and we're seeing, we're like, okay, that's cool. And then we carry on like, oh, that's also nice. What are you doing there? (laughs) And <laughs> we just, what was, what was Moses doing here? It says, and he saw a bush with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. So you're seeing something, but then he paused, he stopped, and he turned. I'll turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And then what happens? Verse 4. And when the Lord saw, what did God see? That He turned aside to see. Are you turning aside to see? Or are you just coasting through? Just carry on with life. God is revealing so many things to you left and right. And you're like, that's cool. That's nice as well. But I'm in a hurry. I'm in a rush. I need to, I need to get where I need to be. Like I've got all of these goals. Like, I've got plans. Can present company excluded. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. This is amazing. Moses fixed his attention on something. He set his gaze on something. And then something profound happened. He got called into this new season of life that changed him completely and the history of his lineage, so to speak. And so God is calling us to to incline our ears, to fix our attention on His Word, His promises, what He is calling us to. Jumping down to verse 20 to 22 from Romans 4. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, he, his faith grew stronger. In this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever He promises. And because Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous, credited him as righteous. Again, his righteousness was accredited by faith. But he was fully convinced that God was able to do what He promised. He did not waver Waver. Where do you see the word waver come up? James. Let's go to James quickly, and we're actually going to wrap things up, so we're not going to do part two. Um, Just buckle up. We're coming in for a fast landing. James chapter 1. So it says he did not waver on the promise of God. He did not waver at believing God's promise. And we need to take into account, we can be persuaded by many things. Maybe you're persuaded by a promotion. Maybe you're persuaded by, I don't know, some status or or whatever. You can be persuaded by many things. But if it's anything other than God's word, you won't be persuaded for long. James 1, 6-8, But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided. Loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. That's a good summary of what we're talking about. Are you persuaded by the Word of God, or are you persuaded by everything in this world? Are you persuaded by your circumstances? If you are, you will be like a wave of the sea. you tossed. You're a roller coaster Christian. One moment you're up, and it's amazing, and people can come to you, and then the next moment you're just in your lowest low, and everyone stays away from you by the hordes. Constant Christianity and maturity comes through being persuaded by the Word of God. Not wavering off the promise of God. Not wavering off who He says you are. Not wavering from believing the Word to believing the world. Verse 22 to 25 from the message. Don't fool yourselves into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the Word of God go into one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away and two minutes later have no idea who they are. What they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find the light and affirmation in the action. That's amazing. Again, God's word has revealed things to us. It's not, there's no new revelation. Sun. If some, if someone receives revelation, they're receiving revelation of something that already is. It's not new. It's maybe new to them, but it's not new under the sun. If someone comes to realize that Jesus came to pay for their sins, and no questions asked, no like payment needed, it's not a, a new thing. It's new for them, and it can change their lives. But there's no new thing under the sun. We need to be listeners of the Word, value the Word, be persuaded by the Word, so much so that we act on it. What did Moses do? He acted on what he saw. And then something new happened, something different happened. God revealed Himself to him through the bush. Abram was persuaded by, he acted on. In his action, he he fought against the temptation to look at the circumstances. That's action resisting, uh, fighting the temptation to to magnify the problem, the reality of what you see with your five senses. Don't be like someone who looks at himself in the mirror and you're like, man, the Word of God is amazing. He calls me righteous. I'm holy. I'm blameless. I'm a saint. I'm not a sinner. I was a sinner. I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm now His righteousness. I'm holy. I'm called for great things. What are those great things? Things. It's not about your business. It's not about your career. It's about shining forth the light of the glory of God as an ambassador, being a light set on a hill. It's not about your business being set on a hill. It's not about your whatever set on a hill. It's your sonship, it's your identity, it's the reality of Christianity set on a hill. That people will come to you and experience Jesus. Not experience a good business. A good business. There's a lot of good businesses in the world. Elon Musk. Bill Gates. Are those businesses changing people's eternities? I'm not sure. I don't think so. So let's not get caught up in, in these, 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 these things that are good, but aren't God. Now, I'm not saying they are sin, but if it's not in line with the will of God, then we could actually probably just say it's it's sin, because sin in its simplest form is not believing God. Abraham and Adam and Eve, their sin wasn't eating the apple. Their sin was not believing God. Because when they did not believe God, they sinned. Right? So the actual sin, the root of all form of sin is not believing God. Adultery, it's an act of sin but it's rooted in not believing God. Like that's deep, guys. If you know who you are in Christ, know who God is to you, you will never want to commit adultery. You'll never want to skip the queue. You'll never want to take a shortcut knowing who you are in Christ and what He's created you for. So believing that, believing the Word of God, being fully persuaded by the Word Will will get you to live more holy than you've ever tried on purpose by following laws and things like that. This is God's desire. And this is how we become fully persuaded, discovering that this is the reality of Christianity. This is God's design. In a practical sense, because all maybe you you hear this morning, you're like, I've heard this before, and it sounds good and like it's amazing, but like I'm not seeing like. I don't see how this is applied to my life or how, how I'm not just, I'm just not fully persuaded by, by being a Christian. I'm not fully persuaded by this is who God created me to be and this is the most important thing in life. Like I'm still persuaded by chasing this specific career and I want to be successful in this arena and I want to accomplish this and I want that house and it's like, I just want, I want those things. And don't be overwhelmed by the the fact that you might not be fully persuaded. God is not forcing you to be fully persuaded this morning. He's not pushing you to be more persuaded in His love for you. But He's inviting you. He's drawing you. The Holy Spirit draws us. He's pulling us. It's like a force. Like that chocolate cake. Like when you walk past the coffee shop, you're like... (laughs) God is inviting us. He's drawing us in. And... Some of the things that He will draw you in that will help you be, become fully persuaded is firstly realizing that He's a God about relationship. You're growing in relationship with Him and growing in relationship with us together. Through that you become more persuaded by being surrounded by people and women who are fully persuaded because it will rub off on you. He's drawing us into partaking together of the Spirit meaning that you've got his spirit inside of you and he wants you to realize that come to know that he's speaking to you and he wants to speak through you but if you don't believe that guess what you'll never act out on that you'll never step out so you need to start believing that and and be open be sensitive when we're gathering and you're seeing people step out or or even in live group or after the meeting like the, the 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 partaking together of the spirit isn't just for when we're having worship, when music is playing, the partaking together of the Spirit is, is 24-7, as you will. Because God is limited to your will, believe it or not. Some, that's, a, that, like that's mind-blowing for some people. They don't understand what that means. What does it mean? Free will. He's given you the will to limit Him. That's why there's some people who's died not knowing Jesus, and they're separated from Him for all of eternity. Why free will is giving them a will to limit himself and His will to what they want. God's will is for all men to be saved and to come knowledge of the truth. That's his will, but it doesn't happen automatically because you've got free will to limit what He wants. So partaking together of the Spirit comes about through you putting down your will and accepting his will. And then lastly. Becoming fully persuaded and growing in this is as being equipped, being part of this family where there's equipping happening through life, through ministry school. All of this is to equip you, to get the Word into you because it's only through the Word that you can grow in your persuasion. It's only by sitting under the Word that you'll grow in your persuasion. And like I said, there's various things also that facilitates that. Ministry school, dream team, partnership, live group. What is partnership? It's, it's again, financially investing into this. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. What does that mean in a practical sense? If you're investing into Steinoff, I don't know if anyone is still investing into Steinoff. If you lost money with Steinoff, like I'm, I'm sorry about that. But it's a good example of, of not putting our trust in this earth. Right? But if you're, you had investment in Steinhoff when the bad news came, you were sh- like it, it affected your heart. Where your treasure is, your heart will also be. So if you're not invested into God's kingdom to save the world and our mission as a church to equip saints for the work of ministry and send them out, your heart won't be with us. You won't be persuaded by it. And so start considering and praying about how you can invest into this family and the work that we are doing.